Good morning. Are you two for something in the morning? Say that again. Are you really awake at four something? <laughs> uh, no, actually three. <laughs> Did you go to bed or have you just been up? Uh, just got an early early rise. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. We thought uh, if anyone was going to get us up at, at 3 a.m., Simon's your next hour, man. You really should get better friends. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. We just interviewed Simon Sinek. What a legend. The author of Start With Why, the speaker of one of the biggest TED Talks in history based on Start With Why, and of course, the author of the recent book that we just did, The Infinite Game. I think Sinek's messages in both Start With Why and especially The Infinite Game, if you listen to our episode recently, it is so bloody relevant to what's happening in the world today. I mean, everyone's been challenged and with a finite thinking, it will lead to one destination and Sinek, he'll teach us a lot about the infinite game in the context of what's going on. It's a crazy time in the world right now. Uh, we're booked in to see you face to face uh in person in melbourne but of, of course that's that's no longer happening so thank you so much for for making the time to meet with us uh virtually how's everything going in your world yeah it's good i mean you know we're adjusting to a new normal um i think we're all coming to terms with the fact that this is uh going to be many many weeks um and i think it's an amazing opportunity for reinvention you know nothing nothing drives innovation like a crisis yeah so you released uh, Finite and Infinite Games recently and I guess uh, in that you, you couldn't foresee what was coming but it, it just seems like it's one of the most important books right now with the messages about how businesses and people and families and um, countries and the species as a whole uh, approaches what's happening with the, the disease. So uh, what is a Finite and Infinite Game in the context of, of what we're going through right now? So a philosopher by the name of James Carse in the 1980s articulated these two types of games, finite games and infinite games. Um, finite game is known players, fixed rules, and agreed upon objective. There's always a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and uh, if there's a winner, there's, there has to be a loser. Um, an infinite game is known and unknown players. The rules are changeable, and the objective is to stay in the game as long as possible to, to perpetuate the game. There's no such thing as winning in an infinite game. And life is an infinite game. Um, we're not going to win this. We'll get through it, but viruses and diseases and bacteria, they don't go away. And the virus isn't competing against us. The virus doesn't care about us. The virus, like any living organism, is just trying to survive and, and live as long as it can. So there's no winning this. And so we hmm. have to adopt an infinite mindset. Um, an easy way to think, to think about it is our average lifespan is in the 70s or 80s, right? For most people. And so most people um, will go through something like this once in their life. You know, our, 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 our grandparents lived through the war um, uh, and we're living through this. But imagine if we lived for a thousand years. If our lives lasted a thousand years of that, so this, then this would be like the seventh one we've had of this, you know? And mm. we would think about life a lot differently and we would be prepared differently because we, would, we know that this is coming. 
And the problem is we don't know when. And this is the big thing about the infinite game versus the finite game. Most people and organizations prefer to play in the finite game, quite frankly, because it's easier. It's shorter term, it's easier to count, it's predictable. Um, and we falsely believe we can apply the rules of the finite game in an infinite context, which we cannot. You can't win global politics, you can't win life, you don't, you're not, not declared the, the winner of careers, but we, we act as if we can't. We, we say we're number one, we're the best. You know, it's just, it's impossible. So I think this is a big reminder to us just how much we do not play with an infinite mindset in the game of life and how ill-prepared we are. And especially in the West, where we have so much hubris, where we think we're so special and we're so advanced, and the West is the least prepared of the world, reacting the most poorly. And, and I think it's a big lesson for us in the West that we're not better than the rest of the world. We're just one of the group of countries in the world. And, and at the end of the day, we have no control over things like this. And the only way to get through it is with an infinite mindset and to work together. It is the only way. Like we have to get through this together. And all the things that many of us are suffering, if you live alone and you're hunkered down right now, it's going to get lonely. I mean, human contact is really, really important to social animals. Um, we, you know, it, 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 we consider solitary confinement a form, a form of torture because removing human beings away from social animals can lead us to madness. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this underscores the importance of human relationships, real human relationships, being in the company of our friends, holding hands, hugging, you know, looking each other in the eye, hearing each other's voices, and no text message or social media or number of likes can ever replace that. And if this mm -hmm. is not the biggest reminder of the value of human relationships, then I don't know what is. Yeah. And I think, and I believe we will come out of this better because of it. I yeah. absolutely believe we'll come out of this better because of it. That many of the things that we're figuring out to get through this will survive. Like dinner parties. We're having online dinner parties. I think there's going to be more real dinner parties. Mm. We're having more fit phone call conversations as opposed to texting conversations. I think that will continue. At least I really hope it does. That's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get to some of that, uh, some of the positive stuff and some of the the solutions out the other side. But maybe let's we'll start with the the negative or the the, the bit of bleakness. I guess what's the worst case scenario in your mind if people do become very reactive and do get sucked into the finite game in this moment rather than maintaining some of the infinite mindset and they get sucked into maybe overreactions or what, what's the worst case scenario here? Well, the, the, the medical experts have advised us that overreacting is fine. <laughs> you know, if you're staying at home and wiping everything down <laughs> and you're paranoid about every box that's being delivered to your house good is what yeah. they're telling us um, yeah more from i think the other problem i think the other problem is thinking we got this beat you know remember these things are unpredictable and they're not they don't follow uh predictable timelines and so the worst is still to come and we see that china got hit very hard reacted very strictly and and overcame it reasonably quickly and now you have much smaller countries like italy and spain remember china has over a billion people italy and spain are tiny and yet their death tolls are higher than china now as a percentage of population this is horrific and my fear is that if we're blasé about it then bigger nations like the united states are going to suffer horrific 
casualties because we think that we can beat it or worse, that we put economics ahead of human life, which is the same as a company putting profit ahead of people. You know, putting economics ahead of human life is, is the economy will recover. Dead people won't. Yeah. There's a lot of businesses right now that are under a lot of financial pressure Sure. And maybe the GFC was somewhat analogous to what we're going through now. And maybe we have in, you know, in our lifetime and some business leaders now have seen something slightly similar. So there might be something to learn from the past. But if there is anything to learn from the past with the business pressures and the, and, and the need to, you know, you, in the book, you're talking about resources versus will and people are so low on resources right now. What can they learn and how can they act right now to, I guess, take care of the human impact if they sure. do need to cut resources? So there's no question that reality is that there are many businesses that will, that will fail. They will, they will go bankrupt. But this is not unprecedented. Let's, let's be clear. It might be expedited. It might be sudden, but it's not unprecedented. The internet put a lot of companies out of business because it was an entirely new way of which we had to live our lives and how businesses functioned. You know, uh, uh, and you can look at any new technology, put old technology out of business. Uh, every video stores don't exist anymore. There were some of them who were thriving, and yet they are all bankrupt because we have streaming. We don't go to the video store anymore, right? So this is not unprecedented. The ones who will survive are the ones that um, don't try and double down on their old business models, but attempt to reinvent their business models. You know, and uh, we've seen this in publishing. We've seen this in television. We've seen this in music where old fashioned industries in times of change uh, double down on their old business models. Like why is it that Amazon invented itself and the digital reader and not the publishing industry? Why is it that an upstart company called Netflix invented itself and not the movie and television industry? Why is it that a computer company invented iTunes and not the music industry? It's because they all double down on their old business models in the times of extreme change. And so I think now, for the companies that have invested in their people for, for a period of time, the will of those people is high and the will of those people is not survival, but reinvention. It's the companies that have been playing with a finite mindset for too long that everybody's in survival mode and doubling down on old business models. But it's the companies that have been playing with a finite mindset, mindset the ones where the people are, are scared but motivated, they're inspired, they're, they're, they're taking care of each other, that they see this uh, as a crisis, of course, but they see this as an amazing opportunity for reinvention. So take a restaurant, for example. I know a fine dining restaurant in New York City. It's only been open for nine months. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic restaurant. He should go out of business, but he's not because he's figured out a way that he can deliver his food to people and keep all his staff, right? Now, he never did deliveries. He's a fine dining restaurant. Fine dining restaurants don't deliver food. They do now. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And he, instead of hunkering down and trying to figure out how to get people to come to the restaurant, which is now illegal, he's found ways that he can take food to people. And I think there's an amazing opportunity for, for companies. That's just a small, silly example. But there's companies that have amazing opportunities to not look at their, their businesses and say, how can we continue to sell the thing that we've got? But rather, how can we deliver our message, our cause, advance our, uh, our cause? in this new world it's a different kind of challenge it's a different kind of challenge mm. with uh all that's going on there's we're seeing a lot of companies making a lot of moves uh, understandably everyone has to do something what are some of the 
things that companies can do in the short term yeah. that don't necessarily impact the the long term. So one example, both of us have got someone close to us has been cut by twenty percent, twenty percent less work one day a week. That yeah. everyone, so everyone in the company gets twenty percent less as opposed to getting rid of twenty percent of the people. Right. Um, what are some of those moves that people can do, and what are the longer term impacts when you know thinking through the infinite mindset? What impacts do these short term moves have? Yeah, I, I mean, I really respect that. Um, it's better we should all suffer a little than any of us had to suffer a lot. And uh, granted, it's impossible to maintain that forever. But if you can hold on to that for as long as possible until we get through this, I think that's wonderful. And what ends up happening is morale goes up. Because one of the things I'm learning is more than just money, which of course is important for us to survive. But again, we can we can figure our way through that. Landlords will suffer and not get paid for a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll get through it, you know? But people need their jobs just to just to do something. To get through the day, I found that's one of the things that people are who are getting laid off. Yes, they're com- they're upset about the loss of money, but they're also upset with the fact that they lost their team and they just lost something to do. Mm. And I think we have to remember that there's more than just money. There's there's camaraderie and there's just using up our time. And I think to involve people, to give our people a challenge, let them work together. That management doesn't have to come up with all the solutions that we should invite our people to help us figure out not just quote unquote, how to make money, but how are we going to reinvent ourselves? What can we do? How can we work together? Who wants to volunteer? And uh, there's something to be said for that. And that goes for individuals, for freelancers as well. One of the things that I'm seeing that is so amazing is freelancers communities are coming together to figure it out, how they can work together to do something. You know, if, if we, if we focus only on the now, we're going to hide under our tables and we're going to worry. And don't get me wrong. I have my moments too. Like every cough, sneeze, and sore throat that I have, I, I'm taking my temperature and think this is it, you know? But whenever possible, it's the future that matters. We will get through this. It will end. It, it, it cannot last forever. The question is, is how much life will it take before it ends? You know, whether it ends naturally or whether we come up with a vaccine or whether we control it with isolation or whether it kills so many people, it goes away. The question is, how do we get through this with as minimal damage to human life as possible? But it will end. Mm. You know, my grandmother lived through the Blitz. And I think stories like hers, as we grew up, she would tell us the stories of, you know, she'd go to, and they went to work every day. And she'd go to work one morning and the building that was there the day before wasn't there now. 36,000 people lost their lives in London. 82,000 were seriously injured in 11 weeks of bombing during the Blitz right? My point is, is they got through it. And it wasn't easy. It was hard, but they worked together and they figured it out and it ended. And the question is, how do we end this with as minimal life and as minimal damage as possible while also recognizing that life will not be the same after this? It will be different. Yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like in my lifetime, maybe yours as well, Simon, I'm not sure, but I just feel like I haven't lived through a huge world event and in a perverse kind of way, I don't mind the idea of being someone who's actually done that. And, you know, us generations, we're millennials, we do get attacked sometimes of being a bit um, soft. Uh, soft might not be the right word, but uh, expecting everything to be handed to us on a platter in, in that sense. And maybe we will learn some more resilience. I'm not sure what it is, but learn something from adversity. What do you think? I, I don't think it's unique to the generation. I think we all got soft. We all started to believe that, you know, 
global meltdowns no longer happen and world wars no longer happen and economies stay good forever. And it just reinforces a finite mindset. And I think you're right. There's, you know, in a perverse way, there's a gratitude that every generation is tested and this is our test. And I, I think you're right. I think this is like we talked about before. I think this is a huge uh, wake up call for the West that we, that this finite mindset is just not, it doesn't make us stronger, better, or better prepared. And I think for, for young people, but all people, but particularly young people, that there's more to life than making the most money, becoming a billionaire, finding the best job, being number one, thinking that you have to have the perfect job straight out of school, otherwise your life is, a, is wasted. You know, this is a journey and this is one of the events on our journey. And I, and I think it's a reminder that the relationships we build and our ability to serve those we care about, our ability to live a life with a servant heart, uh, a giver's heart rather than a taker's heart is just a better way to live. Mm. And when we face crisis that we're surrounded by people who love us. Yeah. Love it. I've got a friend, she works at a bank and uh, she manages a team. And one of the things she says she struggles with like ever, and this is probably all leaders around the world like where we're all looking for certainty. I'm looking for certainty when the prime minister or, or president steps on the stage, you're like, just, Tell us what to do. Just give me some sure. Give me some certainty. Everyone's screaming out for it. But um, my friend who works in the bank and manages people, she's like, I know everyone wants that, but she's finding it hard to is, is vulnerability the right cue or is is putting that strong certainty kind of facade on the right way to go. Well, if you, if you preach certainty in a time of uncertainty, you're telling lies because we don't know. Here's a fact: we don't know. We have best guesses. That's all. Mm. The medical experts are making best guesses. That's all. Based on their understanding of other viruses and how things spread and how pandemics work and how the human immune system works and how contagions work. Like they are better qualified to make a best guess than somebody with no qualifications whatsoever. Right. But it's all a best guess. And I think there's a difference between positivity and optimism. Positivity is everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. That's positivity. Optimism is everything's going to be fine. That is a fact. Mm. Everything's fine, not a fact. Mm, kind of, it's actually misleading mm. and potentially dangerous. But everything's going to be fine is 100% true. And it's going to hurt for now is true. And what we have to do is figure out ways to work together because we have to get through this together is true. And so what good leadership does is it doesn't pretend that the tunnel is lit up, but it points squarely to the light at the end of the tunnel, which we know is coming. We just don't know how far away it is. And we're going to have to go through the darkness of the tunnel until we get there. And the only thing we can do is keep moving forwards. Mm, I like that. So good leaders have to be optimistic, but positivity is a lie. That's a cool analogy. Not just lying and saying the tunnel's all lit up. It's just pointing to the light at the end of the tunnel. I like that. I like that a lot. I think one other big lesson out of this is it's obviously a bit late now, but that we need to be prepared for times like this. There's going to be something. It might not be a, a global um, virus pandemic, but it could be the GFC. It could be the dot-com boom and bust. It could be 9-11. There's going to be something at some point in the next decade. Something else is going to happen as well. And I think in the, the good times, we need to prepare ourselves for the bad times. So there was a quote from uh, Nassim Taleb a couple of days ago where he said, explain to me why we should spend taxpayer money to bail out companies in parentheses, airlines, who spent their cash buying 
their own stock yeah. instead of having a crisis buffer. Yeah. So I think it's a, the idea that we need to be prepared. You had a good story about Victory Knox that had cash reserves when the times were good, they were saving because yeah. they knew something bad was happening. Yeah. I think that's an important lesson for companies and for individuals. It's true for individuals as well. You know, we spend all the money we've got as opposed to saving money just in case. You know, it's why we have insurance. Mm. We don't expect our house to burn down. We don't want our house to burn down. But we have insurance, you know, just in case the house burns down. And in many places, it's the law to have insurance. Mm. It makes you wonder, you know, in, in Australia, you have this wonderful provision where it's the law to vote, which I love. But maybe it should be the law to save. Maybe we should be required to put at least X percent of our, uh, our paychecks aside for times like this, because then it reduces the burden on government and each other later on. And by the way, I think that goes for companies as well. And one of the problems with so many of these industries is they're considered essential industries and they're too big to fail. This is what we saw in, the, in 2008. There were companies that were too big to fail. We couldn't let them fail, even though they deserved it. <laughs> they deserved to fail because they, they built bad companies, ill-prepared, you know? And you're absolutely right. Airlines are, are not the only one. There are other companies too that stock buybacks are not necessarily a bad thing. The problem is they overdo it. They over-index and do it too much in the name of self-profit. And they leave their companies unbelievably vulnerable to stuff like this. What, where's the company that stand up and says, we've got a $2 billion reserve. We can weather this for about a year. We're good, mm -hmm. you know? And that's because we know why because they succumb to the pressure from shareholders to say, how can you keep $2 billion in reserve? That's our money. Well, look at the stock market. All of those same people who put the same pressure in all of these companies, they've lost 30% of their wealth mm. because of uh, this nonsense, because of the nonsense of before. The excessive pressure they put on companies to, to think short-term, guess who's paying the price? Shareholders. The irony is thick. Mm. But I, I fear that we won't learn our lesson. We in the West, we have short memories. You know, I lived in New York City during September 11th. And I'll tell you, that city was unbelievable after September 11th. There was no crime. It disappe crime disappeared. And everybody was nice to each other. This is a, a city with 8 million people. It was like utopia. People were concerned about each other and cooperative. And, well, that went away. <laughs> you know? So this is where good leadership comes in. We need good leadership in politics. We need good leadership in our businesses. We need good leadership in our communities. We need good leadership in our families. We need good leadership in our churches. We need good leadership everywhere. And right now we have a crisis of leadership in the world. We have very little good leaders in the world, very few good leaders in the world. People who preach a vision, who offer us a just cause and prepare for all eventualities and we're inspired to do so. But unfortunately, we keep placing leaders in positions of power who encourage us to think short term. And I do believe, you know, I have, a, I have an optimistic view of this. I really hope a lot of people, especially your generation, are profoundly moved by this experience. Remember, our grandparents were really frugal. That's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's because they lived during the depression and the war. And so it affected their worldview for the rest of their lives. So for a young generation, especially Gen Z, that's coming of age in this, in this crisis, it's absolutely going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And I hope for the better. I hope your generation comes through as better planners, better savers, and more concerned about genuine human interaction and deep, meaningful relationships. And I hope we never have to go through something like this again. But if we do, we'll be prepared. Absolutely. I love it. It's still quite early days, but do you have any, uh, have you seen any signs of, of leadership? You're like, like, that's, that's great. Or the flip side of that, is there any, 
leadership that you're seeing that isn't perhaps going to give us the best outcomes? Well, you know, I'm in California. Uh, and I'm proud of the fact that Governor Newsom was ahead of the curve. You know, California went into lockdown over a week ago, where other places are just doing it today or, or haven't done it yet. And so in a, in a nation that's behind the curve, I'm in a state where we're ahead of the curve. And as long as people follow the rules, it'll have a positive effect. Um, I saw some comments by Governor Cuomo from New York yesterday or two days ago. And he was so honest and yet still had a tone of optimism and said that New York is, is hit hard, not because anything's bad about New York, it's because of population density and because there's so much international travel, it, it happened there first. And he's saying, take lessons from New York, things we've done right and things we've done wrong. He was thinking about the benefits that New York could offer everybody else because we could see what happens. So I've been pretty inspired by those two governors mainly because I spend a lot of time in New York and California, and so I've, I've been paying attention to their words. I was wondering if there was anyone you want to call out for bad, but we'll, uh, we'll let you off the hook on, on that one. One thing I was thinking is... Yeah, yeah mo- too many others. How's yeah. that? <laughs> for sure, for sure, of course. A- any leader that thought that if they stuck their head in the sand, it would go away, which unfortunately, whoever anybody's thinking of in their mind, it's yeah, not that, just that yeah, person. Yeah. I got a list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think this coronavirus is like a it's like a finite game within the the infinite game of our lives and then our, our species. There's a bit of a finite game. We want to win, obviously, we want to beat it. But then No, the- there is no finite game. This is a moment in the journey. There's no such thing as as beating viruses. We'll overcome the challenge of this one, but it's not gonna go away. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean the elimination of all viruses. The next one could be Ebola. Thank, if you stay at home now, yeah, you're fine. You know, like I'm at home, I'm touching my face, like my house is clean. And even if, we, if somebody gets it, though the death rates are higher than the normal flu, most people will be okay. Now imagine if it were Ebola where like most people die. There's no winning. This is just a bump in the journey. That's what we have to get over. We have to get over this idea of thinking in terms of winning and losing. It's like you go to school, you have good grades and bad grades. They're just blips on the journey of school. You haven't won school because you got an A and you didn't lose school because you got a D. We want to get ahead. Without a doubt, we want to be ahead, but we don't win this. We get through it. There's a difference. I like it. Well, my, my question was, was going to be, how do we snap out of that finite right, mindset and back to that? Oh, you're okay. Um, my question was going to be, how do you snap out of that finite mindset and back to the infinite mindset, which I think you did a pretty good job there of. Because I think a lot of people, are, it's, it's easy. This, this thing is like forcing us back to finite, but it's vital that we snap back to the, the infinite thinking. Yeah, again, think of, think of days as ahead and behind rather than winning and losing. Think of these things as, as moments on the journey, struggles along the journey, but there's no winning and losing. There is no winning and losing in, a, in an infinite game. And the game of life is an infinite game. We don't get through this and win the game of life. We're trying to mitigate the damage. That's what we're trying to do. Not win, just mitigate the damage. It will end. The question is, how much damage will it do before it ends? Hmm. And if we do nothing, if we make no reaction, it'll do a huge amount of damage. If we do something, it'll do less damage. There's no getting away from the damage. The question is, how much damage? That's within our control. Love it. Being a podcast that talks about books, Simon, we, we go through the best bits of the best books each week. What's some of your favorite books that you've read and, and things you can recommend 
for our listeners and obviously would you, <laughs> that was a pretty abrupt jump away from uh, the, the previous discussion we've had. Um, I think essential reading for every human being on the planet is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, I think if you're in business, you have to read it. I think if you're an entrepreneur, you have to read it. I think if you're a human being, you have to read it. Um, I think that's, a, that's an essential book. I mean, if we just compare ourselves wherever we are or whatever we're going through now or whatever you go through in life and, and you just, as soon as you compare it to what Viktor Frankl did and how he handled it, I mean, there's nothing that really compares and it just kind of snaps you back into reality and probably a right. state of gratitude. So, One of his lessons was we cannot control the circumstances around us. All we can control is our attitude. I think that's vital for right now. With the time we're in now, obviously the thinking of the infinite game versus the finite game is is vitally important. The thinking of that, what can you control? Well, you can control your own attitude and your own outlook. They're two vital things. Is there any other things? It could be a book. It could be something else or any ways of thinking, any other ways that you filter all this information through? What other um, small, simple ideas do you think are absolutely vital for people to, to be approaching this time with? Try and call people. If you're feeling lonely, call someone and say, I'm feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. if, if somebody's living alone and you're worried about them, then pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, how are you doing? I was thinking about you. It's an amazingly powerful thing when somebody says, I'm thinking about you. You know, yes, we're texting plenty and texting is fine, but, you know, pick up the phone, get on a Zoom call or a WhatsApp video or something, have lunch, have coffee, have dinner with each other. You know, lay out, you know I did this last night. I laid out my dinner and my friend laid out her dinner and we had dinner together. You know, in person is obviously better and looking somebody in the eye physically is better than on a screen. But just to hear a human voice, it's way more powerful than people realize. So to be a leader right now means to have empathy and think of others as human beings. And when possible, just give them a call. You know, we, we live in a, in a world where phone calls are basically free. You know, I remember growing up, we used to call my grandparents in the UK and it would be like 25 cents a minute or more. You know, 50 cents a minute, we'd like time it. We'd have timers, how long we could be on the phone because it got so expensive. Mm. You can call anywhere in the world for free. So do that. Love it. So wrapping it up now, uh, coming toward the end now, where, where can people find you and learn more about your books and your other upcoming projects, Simon? You know, all the usual places. <laughs> Google. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all the, all the, all the usual suspects. I probably should, should realise it's not, um, you know, some people it's worth asking the question and then I'll forget. <laughs> I don't mean to be flip about it, but I think, you know, yeah. I think everyone is on Instagram, That's right. Facebook, Twitter. Like it's not unique to me, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's any indication of where somebody is in their life or their career because they have a Facebook <laughs> page or an Instagram, you know? It's like, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> too good. What's your uh, What's your next project? What are you What are you working on now that this is all come? And uh, obviously, you went to come to Australia. Obviously, that's not happening. And anything else that's happening around around the world, I'm I'm sure a few things that you had in the pipeline for 2020 are now on the back burner. Yeah, well, I mean, I am coming to Australia. The question is just later. When? <laughs> <you know>? Yeah, <laughs> just, just not now. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I had my mindset tour that was going, um, and. Uh, we planned on expanding it. It was just a, a, a test to see if it worked and it's been great. So um, once we're back to normal, I'll boost that up again. And we're looking for ways, you know, in the spirit of reinvention, we're looking for ways that we can do something similar in an online forum. Um, you know, many of the plans that we were developing, we are continuing to develop. 
we want to do more why discoveries for people, especially now. I think people want to know their purpose and have the time to figure it out. So we're um, in the next month or two, we've accelerated all of our plans for how we can bring this to life, given all the circumstances. Fantastic. Simon, thank you so much for your, your time uh, this morning. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We hope to see you when you're in Australia, whenever that may be. I look forward to it. It'll, it'll be next year. I'll be there next year. And, uh, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks so much for getting up early and taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, Simon. It's, uh, yeah, it's been an honor to get to chat to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, uh, I thought Thanks, that was really Simon. good. Thanks stuff. for getting up early. Go, go get some sleep. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see ya. Bye.